and snarl up towards town. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's eight minutes after eight and AM Live coming to you from Cape Town this morning. And of course, with very good reason, uh, it is the eve of World AIDS Day. And South Africa will mark the start, the start of a vaccine trial, uh, which set out to test the effectiveness against um, HIV infections. So we had an interview earlier um, with Professor uh, uh, Linda Gale Becker, Talk to us about exactly where, exactly why, Uh, but there are many more questions. I'm reading through some of the SMSs, and this one says, um, I wish to know more about uh, these new vaccine trials, and um, I also want a contact number where I can perhaps speak to someone. And uh, just looking at some of the messages coming through, there is a clear interest from people. But, But what we have found generally is that when we start with something like this, we, 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 you know, we've heard of other trials previously, but we speak of them at the beginning and then we just seem to leave it all to peter out and, uh, you know, that never augurs well. And people, we, we, we never tend to give them feedback in terms of what actually happened. And then if you look at the latest uh, UN AIDS data, it shows that an estimated 2.1 million people worldwide become newly infected with um, HIV annually. And that's a staggering, staggering uh, number. And we, we, we touched on this very briefly earlier as well. But I think what we need to do right now in terms of the study that we are focusing on this morning, um, uh, the HIV vaccine study, HVTN um, uh, 702, that's the study we're talking about this morning, is that um, we're going to try and give as much information to people about the study itself. But of course, there are broader issues that will automatically be raised as well. Um, over 5,000 participants at 15 sites will participate in this particular trial and really looking forward to breaking it down this morning. So if you have any questions, uh, 34701, that's the SMS line number. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. And then um, you can also uh, call us on 0891. 104208 and we're going to open the lines right now because if you have questions if you need clarity i think we will prioritize that for the time being so let me just introduce our panel uh, we have uh, professor linda gail becker protocol co-chair for the hvtn 702 study and she's also deputy director of the desmond tutu hiv center and um, uh, joining us now is dr carl diffenbach uh, who is a director of the division of aids within the national Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and uh, this institute funds um, uh, this particular trial, and uh, uh, we uh, welcome you to the show. It's my pleasure to be here in Cape Town with you today. And also with us is Ntando Yola, who is founder of the National Group um, Advocacy for the Prevention of HIV and AIDS, uh, APA, and also Community Liaison Officer at the Emma Wundleni uh, Clinical Research Center, uh, which is uh, where, you know, uh, most of the work will be done. And we have a team out there, so we'll t- uh, touch base with them later on. We'll speak to some of the participants as well. But uh, Ntando, thanks for coming through as well. Thank you. Thank you, SK, and I'm happy to be here. So earlier, um, uh, Professor, we spoke about the importance and and also um, we looked at the prevalence of HIV and AIDS in South Africa and uh, perhaps even more broadly. But 
you know, let's come to the HVTN 702 and this particular trial. And this trial has been made possible because there were previous trials that proved effective. Um, uh, rather effective and, 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 and which basically validated um, uh, this particular trial going ahead. So let's just touch on that. Uh, the, uh, you spoke about the smaller trial that was conducted here, but there was also the Thai trials that went before. So if we can just briefly just run through that. Indeed. Uh, so it, this particular trial that you're referring to was called RV144. All these uh, you know, acronyms I know is difficult for people, but it, it was conducted in Thailand uh, among 16,000 participants, so an awesome clinical trial um, and a landmark. It was reported in 2009, and it showed a modest, but for the first time ever, um, efficacy of a vaccine to protect against HIV infection. And so uh, the, the number we saw there was around 30%. And so this trial has built on what we learned from that trial and we're hoping to supersede that 30% mark um, by doing some modifications to both the vaccine products and how we give the actual vaccines um, and we're hoping as I say to top that 30%. Speaking of the modifications Dr. Diefenbach, what sort of uh, modifications were made? So specifically we adjusted the content of the vaccine tailoring it for the South African situation. Also, we added something called an adjuvant to give it a little bit more of a boost, a little bit of kick in the pants, as it were, to a point where um, we're hopeful that by adding one additional shot, we can extend and amplify the uh, level of effectiveness of this vaccine well beyond 30%. We're, we're hoping to reach 50 to 60% efficacy through this trial. And then um, just looking at the participants, and I know we're running through this and, you know, I'm sure when the calls come through later on, uh, it will give us an opportunity to address other issues as well. But uh, Ntanda, just looking at um, the trial conducted at 15 sites, let's talk about those 15 sites. Where exactly are they? So the sites are throughout uh, South Africa with uh, about two sites happening. I mean, here in Cape Town, we have a number of sites in Deben. KZN overall, as well as, as Gauteng and, and the Northwest. So the, those are the provinces, the main provinces that have about one two, or, uh, or more than two sites happening. One in the Eastern Cape, we're very one in the Eastern Cape. Yes, we cannot forget one in happening in Mtata, uh, which is my hometown in the Eastern Cape. And so we're talking about 5,400 volunteers uh, for this particular trial. Now, how do you go about the recruitment process, as it were, um, to get people on board? So we, as, as part of, of an approach really is to uh, emphasize, work with the communities and uh, uh, create partnerships with, with, with different organizations. We know the number of organizations that are working in HIV uh, work, be it its prevention or treatment or even education. So we, we, we are part of those uh, organizations and communities and we work with those organizations and bring in our part or our contribution to the work that we are doing, which emphasizes that, you know, in all the different approaches that are looking at preventing HIV, we are bringing the science or research, which also has a contribution because we know historically that, for instance, 
in, in, in 2006, South Africa was given a certificate uh, that there is no more polio in, in South Africa, and, it, and that was as a result of a vaccine, a polio vaccine. So we, we, bring, we take that message to the community to say, for us to ultimately end HIV, we do need an HIV vaccine. So we work with communities, give that kind of information, educate communities about the importance of research and the importance of science and, the, and what it wants to achieve eventually, where we will eventually have a vaccine. So from that, we then, you know, uh, get uh, mobilized people who either want to support the trial by talking about the trial in the community how, and, and even better those who want to come and participate in the trial and be volunteers you know who take who are enrolled into the vaccine study and become you know participants in the trial so it's really a range of community outreach strategies and partnership and relationship building with the communities let's talk about the ethics of uh, this trial and i guess trials in general uh, because one of the questions that was raised after our earlier interview uh, with professor linda gale um, was why is this being done in Africa? Again, the issue of black lives don't matter. Mm. You go to poor African communities and try to exploit them. Um, just looking at the specs here, all volunteers must be aged between 18 and 35 years old. They must be sexually active in a general good health and HIV negative. And immediately the alarm bells go off, you know, in that are you not exposing people uh, to this particular um, uh, disease that could effectively kill them? Uh, where is the ethics in that? That's a really important question that we address um, directly. That is, is that it, when, first of all, this is a voluntary process. People can come into the trial and they are counseled about um, what they are getting themselves into. And by agreeing to participate in the trial, we are able to provide to them the best prevention package that is available in South Africa today. And we do this not just for this trial, but for other prevention trials that we have ongoing um, here in South Africa. So we are about helping the individuals who enroll in the trial protect themselves. At the same time, give them the opportunity to contribute to the science of HIV vaccines. So recently we've completed a trial. So no, all pre no prevention methodology is specific or useful to everybody. So, for example, we've completed here in South Africa the study of an intervaginal ring that has been shown to be somewhat similarly effective in young women. We now have moved that on to a different level of study, hoping to improve that result. We also have um, a study of, an, of another strategy called AMP that is ongoing in Africa. And in each case, all of these studies have the same prevention package. So it's, it's not we're testing it in, in a vacuum. We're using the, the best possible prevention and educating the community, um, as Tondo has said, about what we are doing so that everybody can um, take advantage of the science um, and protect themselves. I think critically also, we ultimately want to see this vaccine rolled out in South Africa. I mean, this is a country that is crying out for a solution for HIV. When I walk around in our communities, this is the clarion cry, actually, is, is you know, how can we help our brothers, sisters, mothers to be sure, our children 
to protect them against HIV. So I actually think there's a counter argument to this, that people want to be part of the solution. And we want to see this vaccine rolled out here in this country. And that often requires that it gets tested in the place where we want to see the vaccine um, used. And so, you know, there's another side to this is how can we be sure that if we show it works in South Africa, how will we get it to back to Thailand or to, you know, other folk in downtown Baltimore in the United States of America or indeed to South America or even to Kenya and Uganda. And that will be the, you know, the challenges. If if we reach that 60% mark, the, the immediate rush will be to say, how we do we now bridge getting this to populations uh, across the world? Because really we are trying to find a vaccine in, in the shortest possible of t- amount of time that we can then roll out across the whole world. And of course, the lines are open, 0891-104-208. I've got a question on um, uh, the Twitter feed, and it's from Martin. And Martin asks, did your guests manage to isolate and purify the HIV virus in a classical virological method? Yes, absolutely. Uh, HIV has been isolated, completely defined at its most um, detailed level and then replicated or reproduced in the laboratory to demonstrate that, in fact, um, HIV is HIV, and HIV is the disease that ultimately causes AIDS. Now, we have to keep in mind that you do not get HIV from the vaccine. We use pieces of the HIV to put into the vaccine, but it is not HIV itself, and that what you are making is the body's response to those little pieces of HIV that will ultimately protect you. I think that is a very important point that we have to continue to reinforce over and over again. Exposure to the vaccine will not give you HIV infection. So, but it's, I think it's very exciting, um, and I'm a clinician. I'm actually not a lab scientist, but my understanding is that we've taken a virus from this region, and we've almost modeled the vaccine to look and be able to recognize another virus from this region. So the idea, having done the modification and bought it from Thailand, is that our vaccine will specifically recognize viruses that are in our area. Um, And that's important because we want to give the the vaccine its best opportunity, its best um, Mm. chances of, of working. And so that's why it's taken us, the Thai study finished in 2009, it's taken us seven years to get here, because a lot of people have been working very hard in laboratories around the world uh, to perfect this, uh, Mm. to make sure that we really do have the best possible design, so that any virus that somebody may be exposed to, that vaccine response will recognize it and respond appropriately. And of course, that study, three and a half years uh, that took, how long is this likely to last? Uh, anywhere from three to four years. We will, so from a, a safety perspective, we will monitor safety from day one of this vaccine study. To see a, a level of effect in the population will take three to four years. And um, will people have the option to opt out? I mean, you know, what sort of measures do you have in place to make sure, monitor as you go along, whether this is actually still worth doing or not? Well, there's a whole process that we have for clinical trials where we have independent committees that look at every infection as we go along to look for safety first and then also to monitor for efficacy or level of activity. And we will... um, and. We as the investigators do not know those results, but we have independent people that watch that for us. 
a participant has the right and the privilege to withdraw from a study at any time. That is uh, part of the participant's bill of rights, and we truly embrace that. Um, this is a voluntary process. If at some point a participant feels threatened or no longer see, um, wishes to participate any longer, uh, they have the blessing and support of the site. I'm sure, Tondo, you have some comments on that as well. Yes, yes. And I mean, I, so part of the, the, the broad community outreach program and uh, emphasizes those ethical aspects of uh, participating in a trial that, you know, this is a voluntary, you know, uh, process. And uh, as much as we really need everybody who, who, who agrees to take part and needs to understand what it means to be part of a trial, that, you know, we're looking to really to find an answer to this. So ideally, we'd really like a participant to be part of a trial until the end. However, you know, if, you know, there are circumstances that really, you know, uh, uh, ensure that, you know, that the the participant encounters, they are really happy and we support them to, you know, to, to opt out of the, of the trial. And of course, we will be speaking to some of the participants uh, later on, uh, because as we speak, I think they're either getting ready, uh, you know, to take the vaccine. So, you know, it is that sort of time. And uh, the questions are coming through here and um, interesting questions, a lot about, again, um, the ethics uh, surrounding all of this. And I'll come to that um, in just a minute. Uh, 34701 is the SMS line number and that will cost you one rand. Uh, you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. So let's look at some of these um, uh, questions and also some of the statements coming through. Uh, Baba Zile says, SK, vaccines are not cures nor effective. They intended for profits and exposure and will produce new diseases for more profits. So there's a lot of skepticism around what is going on. Let me read a few more for you also along those lines. King Nat says, are your guests willing to be vaccinated uh, in order to participate in this particular study? Um, Injuka says, is there a first world country uh, that is subjected to the same test that is happening here? So so, so let's address all of that. Let me take the, the, the first world question First, um, we in the United States have run a number of vaccine studies in the United States, um, to, to be exact, uh, that ended with failure. Um, those were completed um, in 2006 and 2007. Uh, this vaccine, if, if useful, it has been tested um, here, has been tested around the world in Thailand, and all we're doing is taking an effective vaccine that was and modifying it to the South African situation. Um, Tondo made the point about polio earlier, um, and vaccines are the effective way scientifically to eradicate a vaccine. Uh, smallpox, tuberculosis, malaria, um, measles, mumps have all had very effective vaccines. It, it, HIV is an unbelievably difficult challenge as a viral disease. If this were easy, we would have completed this already. Uh, so we um, are committed to making a safe, effective, and durable HIV vaccine. But to say it will cause other diseases is, in fact, ignorant and not informed. And then um, the question here from at Simply Nat says, is there another way of testing the vaccine without putting human life at risk, especially seeing that, you know, these are healthy people who are HIV negative and now perhaps would gain greater exposure? Well, they will not gain 
the whole point of the way the study is set up is actually to reduce the exposure because by enrolling in the trial, you get access to a prevention package which is technically available throughout um, South Africa, but it, it comes with it, the, the counseling and testing and regular participation in a clinic that actually improves the level of care. And so the goal is first to reduce the level of HIV in the community as far as we possibly can, because that's the safe and ethical thing to do. And then any additional exposure that occurs um, is, is part of what we then use to measure the effectiveness of the vaccine. There's, we have tested these vaccines in monkeys, but this is not, you can't prove it'll work in people until you test it in people. And yes, in, I think we would all willingly roll up our sleeves and take this vaccine, speaking for me. And I'm, you know, my my mantra is I don't do anything to my patients that I wouldn't, you know, expect might need to happen to me or that I'd be willing to do um, myself. And I think it's important for listeners to realize that a very similar vaccine went into 16,000 Thai folk uh, who, you know, courageously also took part in, in that very important trial. So, you know, I think this is not something that is highly experimental in that regard. I will also say that 252 South Africans willingly stepped forward for the phase 1B that I've just uh, we've just finished mm-hmm. in South Africa showing really terrific safety profile um, and and very good tolerability. So again, we, well, what does that mean in layman's terms? So in layman's terms that means, you know, the the there was perhaps uh, and we haven't unblinded the study yet but across even though there were some who got sham vaccine and and people who got the real ingredient across the board, we did not see any reactions that would give us concern or, you know, fainting or, uh, you know, breaking out in a terrible rash or all the things people think are, are in some way connected with vaccines. We never saw anything like that. So it gives us courage and, and, you know, certainly the reassurance to be able to move into the 5,400. Although, as Dr. Diffenbach says, we'll be very carefully monitoring the clinical trial all the way along. And it's important to note that although these are healthy volunteers, we recognize that is a huge responsibility on our side. So that all of these trials are, are run in in trial centers where there is good medical backup, medical care, um, and a lot of support to make sure that if something untoward does happen, the flags will go up very quickly. Uh, we're all on hotlines, uh, and we'll make sure that, you know, we take that into consideration. You're listening to the Forum at 8 uh, this morning, and very exciting about a uh, brand-new breakthrough in the HIV vaccine study, HVTN702, that is being launched. And, um, yeah, there have been predecessors to this one that have fared fairly well and um, that uh, basically served as the green light, the go-ahead for this particular study. And um, we are this morning focusing on what uh, exactly we hope to achieve through this particular HVTN702 and also um, are very interesting the participants because it is like the biggest study. It's 5,400 5, participants across the country at 15 uh, sites um, and that will include both male and female who are HIV negative. They have uh, volunteered to participate in this particular trial. So uh, taking your calls on 891 SMS is on 34701 one, Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. 
Now, just getting back um, uh, before we cross over to uh, some of the participants, um, uh, we just want to talk about this question that I raised before the news break. And it was uh, from uh, Zolani Simia, who says, um, you know, can we explain the details of the informed consent for this particular trial? Great. Thanks. Thanks for that question, Second, uh, because it's, it's, it's at the center of ensuring that participants who take part in a trial are really informed. And we, even though they sign an informed document at the end, you know, I mean, not even at the end, you know, that agrees that they are going to take part in a trial. We call it an informed consent process because it starts, you know, when we, at the time when we meet them in the community and explain, you know, who we are and what we are doing and why we are doing the trial. And that is the beginning of an informed consent process, So, which then explains what it means to take part in a vaccine trial and all you know, the information that is, you know, that is very, very uh, key for their understanding and what, you know, what, what is required of them as they are participating. When they come to our trial centers, you know, uh, they, they should agree, for instance, to, you know, to be tested for HIV. And they also, by the way, as part of an informed consent, receive a full health uh, care check uh, within within the trial and receive some of the health uh, is, you know issues that are, get addressed you know if they have those so it is a whole process that begins from the community meeting them in the community bringing them into our research clinic and as uh, throughout the participation on a constant basis you know whenever they come for their visits we'll revisit that this is why you took part in the trial this is uh, the reason we are doing this and you are great to do this uh, i mean to be part of this trial because we want to find a vaccine so the whole informed consent process really involves all of those i'd, I'd just add to that sakina that they also um are told that this whole process has been reviewed by a variety of uh, institutional review boards or human ethics uh, committees that are at each of our institutions. So given the size and, and the spread around the country, this is a number of ethical review boards, as well as our Medicines Control Council has looked at it, and you know other regulatory bodies, uh, including our uh, biosafety uh, institutional uh, sort of committee re- that review the protocol. And we, we tell the individuals that they can report to those individuals they're given a phone number if there's anything that concerns them whether it be ethical or or physical uh, they're told that they can withdraw at any time and it is our job to make sure they are told any new information we receive about HIV prevention or about the vaccine itself mm-hmm. at any time so we tell them what risks and benefits there might be for them and we constantly update that uh, as information comes in the door. So it really is about a relationship um, and it's a relationship of trust and we recognize that and we safeguard that very carefully. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then that process that Intando mentioned begins at the time when we meet them for the first time, continues all the way through to the end of the study. And we are very passionate about that concept that you raised earlier around making sure that the results go back to the participants yeah. at the end. 
very important that they are the first to hear how did the vaccine do, what is its future, and, and you know, what is in it for them to go forward. And, mm. and that comes to access after the, the clinical trial is finished, um, plans for rollout, all of those aspects. It's our job to make sure that the, the participant is informed and his or her community yeah. all the way through. And so we, we you know, we're pretty passionate about that. Yeah. So how exactly will this work? They receive the vaccine and then what? So the, the, the essence of this, and I think it's very important, and, and Dr. Diffenbach mentioned this, that we will randomly, in a blinded way, so these are all f- strange words, uh, and we spend mm. a lot of time bringing that home to our participants. So in other words, I don't know, and the individual doesn't know whether they are being given the real vaccine or a sham vaccine. It looks the same, it has, you know, but the critical thing is... Half the population will randomly, in other words, by chance, will be given the real ingredient and half will be given a sham ingredient. Who gets what is held in a, you know, in a vault in a central place far away where none of us can have access to it. And that's very important to make sure that the study is run in the most objective way possible because that is how randomized controlled studies work. They are the gold standard of how we test whether any product, any drug is is worth its salt or not. Um, and then we we administer the vaccine. They'll actually receive altogether six shots. So um, there, there's uh, five shots, sorry, over uh, 12 months. Um, so there's, there's a group of four in the first six months and then one more at 12 months. So they'll have to come back for, for injections and they're in the arm. Um, and then we'll follow them up every few months for the next two to three years. Um, Each individual will be in the study for 36 months. And during that time, we will do all the things we've said we will do. We will check their health. We'll make sure that they have their contraception if they're women, if they want it. Um, if they're, whether anybody's become pregnant, we'll modify that, you know, notify that. And we'll follow them up carefully throughout this period, constantly listening to their problems and making sure we, we are as supportive as, as possible. At the end of the study, um, they will terminate. Um, and the, the, the numbers will be collected up at that point in terms of how many have become infected in each arm. So if somebody be, does seroconvert during this time, and we know there's a lot of virus in this country, and as Dr. Diffenbach says, although we'll do everything we can to increase people's uh, safety precautions, we expect that people will become HIV infected. It's a sad fact in this country. Um, and those people will be given a very specific package of care. We'll make sure they get onto antiretrovirals as quickly as possible. We will check their viral loads. We will manage them as carefully as we can. Um, and at the end, the count will be done. And depending on how many infections are in each arm, we'll be able to tell people what the vaccine efficacy was. Um, in other words, how many fewer virus mm-hmm. infections occurred in the arm that had the active product versus the placebo sham arm. Okay, still quite a bit to get through this morning. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but let's take some of your calls. Malcolm is calling from the Val. Good morning, Malcolm. Hi, how are you? Well, and you? I'm well, thank you. Um, I'd just like to ask a few questions. Um, it's based on my confusion. 
Um, I'm not an expert and I don't know much, but uh, I heard your speaker saying that the HIV virus has been isolated. And what I'd like to ask is who has isolated the virus and where can we find that information? That's number one. And then number two, I heard that um, the clinical trials have worked in, I think you said Thailand, um, and it was successful amongst 30% of the subjects. So my question is, what happened to the other 70? Did they contract that, the virus? And are you able to tell whether the virus was contracted due to the, the vaccine itself or because of people getting it from somewhere else? And um, so another question is, what is the involvement of Bill Gates in all of this, um, this vaccine? Because we've heard stories about um, uh, Bill Gates creating poisonous uh, vaccines and giving them to Africa. And all of these things are apparently said will only be able to, well, the virus, whatever it is that they put into people will mutate and its results will only start coming up in a few years through things such as cancer and so on. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Okay, let's respond to that. So um, the virus... HIV has been isolated uh, in every country and just about every city where HIV infection has occurred repetitively. Uh, The virus has been defined and is essentially the same virus with some subtle changes as in South Africa, um, as in Senegal, as in Tanzania, as in Botswana, as in the United States. It's essentially the same, same virus structurally. What we have done... In answer to the question about what happened in Thailand, is that there was 30% fewer infections in the vaccine arm versus the placebo. And actually, one of the reasons it took us, we wanted to really understand the origin of that level of protection and spend a lot of time and energy defining what specific parts of the vaccine were most effective in creating that 30% window. And as um, uh, Dr. Becker said, what we've done is take that piece that we understood was the most important piece, found the best possible similar um, structure uh, from South African viruses and put them back into this vaccine to make it a South Africa-specific construct that we're using here um, today. Um, Bill Gates or was not involved in structuring this vaccine. This was all done uh, through collaborations with our colleagues here um, in South Africa and in institutions in the United States. Uh, but everything that we've done has come in an iterative fashion to South Africa and been tested. We've actually established a laboratory here in Cape Town to do the analysis so that we are testing an Africa-specific vaccine uh, using with African scientists using African laboratories to make this uh, a platform where, if successful, we can launch from South Africa a global vaccine. We want this to be a success for this country, and we want this to then be a platform for which South Africa can, can be a model for the world. And-
And um, just uh, we want to cross over now to some of the participants. Um, and uh, we're crossing over now to uh, the uh, Mavundleni site in Nyanga, uh, where we'll be speaking to two of the participants, uh, hearing straight from them, you know, what their um, anticipation is and, you know, why they decided <coughs> to actually be a part of this uh, particular trial. Uh, let's start by speaking to uh, Lorna Jack, who is a participant in, uh, she was in uh, the earlier study and uh, also we'll speak to Awetu and um, he um, is also enrolled uh, to participate in this HV uh, TN702 uh, study. So uh, let's speak to Awetu. Good morning, Awetu. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm fine in you. I'm very well. And um, are you excited? Are you nervous at all about what's about to happen? Sure, I'm excited. <laughs> Tell us about your excitement. What about this excites you? Um, to join the study, um, I'm excited. Uh, so, so what is your understanding of what is about to happen? Um, I'm not quite sure about that, but, yeah, but uh, I will be fine. So, so what's going to happen today? I'll wait to. Uh, today, um, the Robendila is to with you, and then to be in the center, uh, the Tetang Elanduga, Engale vaccine, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then, um, I will keep it up. And, 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 and your motivation, Awetu, um, what are you hoping this will do? Uh, you know, why did you feel that it would be a good thing for you to participate in this trial? Huh? Why did you think that it would be a good thing for you to be a part of this trial? Um, I think... Um, um, South Africa. Ah, so 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 I want to uh, essentially saying uh, Ntando that you know he wants to do something for his yeah. country. Yes. He, you know, um, uh, basically that is his motivation for yes. participating. So I want actually saying he would like one day when we find a vaccine to be one of those people that we point at and that we say he actually participated in a trial and that is, you know he contributed into making sure that we have an HIV vaccine. So Absolutely. that is his motivation. Mm. And um, also there with Aweto is Lorna, and uh, she's another uh, participant, but uh, she was also a participant in an earlier study that um, uh, Professor uh, Baker was talking about earlier, the HVTN 100 study. Lorna, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. So, Lorna, tell us, uh, wh- why have you volunteered to participate in these trials, the previous one and now this one? Um, simply because I'm a very helpful person, so I decided to, um, to, I want research to be done, to be conducted through me, because it's also my wish that um, HIV and AIDS can be cured 
one day in our country in the next coming future. So that's why I decided to join because I want to I want South Africa to be quite a a healthy country, I can say. So, Lorna, tell me about, you know, Lorna and how this has uh, actually affected how Lorna goes about her life and especially, uh, you know, your sexual life uh, because of your involvement in this particular study. Has anything changed for you? No, actually nothing has changed because um, there is nothing much that I have to do. It's just that um, I, I... I, I've been taught like things that I already know that I must always um, be safe, use condom, and so nothing has changed as much because there's nothing that I must do when I'm like actually sexual. There's nothing that I must do. I I just come to the clinic and get my vaccinations and just go, and everything is back to normal. So there's nothing that I can say that that has changed. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, um, what are your hopes? You know, uh, where would you ultimately like to see this go? Um, I'd like to see that um, I'd like in the next coming future to see um, South Africa being a healthy country where um, HIV and AIDS would be cured. That's my wish because this research that it, that is going through, that is um, in the process here in um, Desmond Tutu Center is about helping us as people who are living here. We want to be safe. We want to be um, healthy. So it is my wish that um, one day the sickness that is not currently um, able to be cured, to be cured one day. Yeah, so that's my hope. Alona, thank you so much. But earlier on in the show, uh, Professor Becker, we, we, we listened to some of the Vox Pops, you know, some of the people we spoke to outside of the center yesterday. And unlike Lorna, one of the people we spoke to actually said that, you know, um, they, they, they will uh, no longer have to use condoms, for example. So, so, so just talk to us about that, you know, uh, the education during that uh, recruitment process. Do people actually understand exactly what is expected of them? Well, it's our job to really make sure that that education gets out there. And, and you know, it's education, education, education. And I think I would say, SK, that that sort of suggests just how much people do want to lose condoms. You know, condoms are very difficult to use, and we recognize that. However, at the moment, condoms are very much at the cornerstone of our prevention against HIV. And so the message will continue to go out that certainly for the period of the clinical trial, where we don't yet know efficacy, we don't know if the vaccine's going to be um, efficacious and indeed how efficacious it will be if it is, we absolutely will be pushing that message home that condoms and, you know, testing, uh, making sure partner status is known, uh, speaking to partners about HIV, all of the things we know go into our prevention package, we will be transmitting that to our participants as much as possible. And we provide condoms, female condoms, we provide lubricant, uh, so that there's a package that we will be, uh, you know, very much making a part of the whole process. 
beyond that, of course, w- w- you know, the conversation around condoms rages on in our country. And, and clearly this has been one of the vulnerable aspects of the HIV response is that people struggle to use condoms. And this is why this research is absolutely key, that we continue to find other ways that people can either layer more prevention into their package, so condoms plus vaccine, condoms plus pre-exposure mm. prophylaxis, whatever the case may be, um, but that also people may be able to have choices, um, you know, about how they they can apply various prevention technologies for their lives. Ultimately, we want to keep people who are HIV-free, free of HIV, uh, we have treatment for those who are already infected. It's very important not only that they get onto treatment, but that they take their treatment and are virally suppressed. That making sure their virus is under control is key also to prevention in this country because somebody whose virus is suppressed and under control is much less likely to transmit their virus to other people. There's another very important part about condoms, of course, is that they also protect us against unintended pregnancies if we don't have our contraception on board and of course they protect us against uh, STIs. STIs So you know there's there's a whole public health message behind this and and this is what we have to continue to put out into our communities Um, and it's you know it's tough Um, but we have to keep doing it and we have to keep finding ways to support people uh, in as they go about their sexual lives, recognizing that people just want to get on with their sexual lives uh, and their very day-to-day lives at the same time. And I think it's important that we also recognize that sometimes people uh, don't have the power or sometimes Indeed. not the agency, um, you know, to negotiate um, condom usage, you know, and, and, and these are important factors yeah. that we should not lose sight no, of. No, absolutely. And I mean, I th- that is where community uh, partnership comes in that you know HIV really is, has got a lot of these other driving factors in the community as you speak you know we have gender based violence issues we have you know we we, 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 some, we, we do argue that you know uh, the vulnerabilities of people of not having you know of being in poverty and many other issues you know come into play so so that is really the, you know what puts us in this situation that whilst we have condoms and many other uh, options for HIV prevention, they are not necessarily working for everybody. It is the reason why we would then need a vaccine ultimately to really help us to kind of buy us time because the country is you know is in a route of trying to deal with a lot of social factors and social ills you know to to you know where we we have people living healthy lives and having good livelihood so these are all factors that are very important Mm. and these are factors that we do not disregard in our communities because they are a reality of you know what, 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 how we live. And just before we go to Spussy, so people are very worried about our way to, and Sony's uh, yeah, saying perhaps it's just a language barrier. Mm. Yeah. Is our way to fully aware? Are you mm. satisfied that he knows exactly what he signed up for? So, yeah, and, and, and I think it, it's, it, it could be very well a language issue. Mm. However, as, as I have said, that every, at every visit, you know, from today to the next, to the next visit, even after this, we we, co- we are constantly in conversation. There is an evaluation of understanding, you know, do you understand? Can you say back what you think about taking part in a trial? So 
there are various methods of making sure that you know we do understand and then another important thing we want to to emphasize is that we are also you know uh, Professor Linda Gailbecker mentioned that we, we have bodies that are ensuring that that are monitoring the studies. Even at community level, we have a community people who are independent of the trial. They are called community advisory boards, and they mo- they are also playing playing a part of monitoring uh, to make to make sure that people understand what it means to take part in a trial, what it means, you know, any information that is necessary, so that they, we, the communities can also be protected. Okay. Suddenly, the calls are streaming in, so let's run through them, guys. Keep it short and sharp, please. Spusisa in Queenstown, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina, and to your guests. Um, Sakina, hearing a lot from your doctors about um, the South African region and the South African area and and all those uh, types of words, I recently came across something a few months back that says um, HIV, there's no general universal consensus. You can be, for example, HIV positive in the States, you cross the border, and then in Canada, you are no longer HIV positive. I just wanted them to please elaborate on that because they keep speaking about the South African it's region not true. this vaccine is for this region and I just want yeah. them to elaborate on that and how true that is. That's, okay. uh, that's, thanks, uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, just take, let's take that one head on directly. That's not true. Um, if you are HIV infected, the tests are valid whether they're done here, New Zealand, Australia, the United States, Timbuktu, Timbuktu Chile, um, Brazil, okay. it doesn't you. matter. Yeah. One test. Okay, let's hear from Gerald in Durban. Good morning, Gerald. Ah, Gerald gone. Uh, Saji, is Saji still there with us? Okay, we can't find Saji either. But here's a question from uh, Moses Ngabe. Moses says, why are all these sites located in semi-urban areas? And what is the demographic representation of the participants? Yeah, you know, I think you raise a very good point there, Skena. You know, other than we get criticized because we're in particular areas and then people say why aren't you in my area you know we also want to benefit from this we do to a certain extent need to be near to laboratories so uh, as part of the clinical trial and we're we're monitoring immune responses this means we take uh, blood from individuals again this is covered in informed consent before people take part Um, and blood is taken from these individuals the blood needs to get to the laboratory um, and clearly, you can't be too far from from a central place for that. It, the vaccines also have to get to the pharmacies. The vaccines have to be made within a certain or, or prepared within a certain time. So again, we need good electrical infrastructure. So there's a certain level of infrastructure that is required to make sure that we can be absolutely sure that these trials are going ahead. But HVTN 702 has been revolutionary in as much as we've tended to do Cape Town Durban and Joburg and for the first time we're going to Mtata, we're going to outside of Johannesburg into Pretoria um, to areas outside of Durban into the sort of Ladysmith areas etc so we we are going much further and beyond um, in an effort to be representative and generalizable Uh, so I think you know kudos to 702 in, in at least trying to get a little bit further and beyond. And so we remember, also want a good balance between men and women in mm, this trial. It's yeah. not not going to be past yeah. researches tended to focus more on men, and we really want the, the, the best balance here. Yeah. And we certainly will be keeping track on this HVTN 702 study. And again, you know, tomorrow is World AIDS Day. Mm. 
More than a thousand people become infected with HIV every day in South Africa, not in the world, in this country. So that, excuse me, that is something that we need to think long and hard about. But, of course, uh, we've laid the groundwork for you and uh, loving the conversations that are happening, the comments that are coming through. Please go to our uh, Twitter feed and you will see a lot of that. Professor Linda Gail Becker, uh, Dr. Carl Diffenbach and Tando Yola, thank you so much for your time this morning. And, of course, to you for participating so fantastically. And we'll be back tomorrow coming from Joburg. And right now it's time for the 9 o'clock news with Nomsam Luli.